Hello and welcome to another edition of e-commerce Odyssey. Today I'm joined by Chloe Thomas, who of of uh, e-commerce Master Plan. She's a podcast host. She is a speaker and she's a writer. So, in your own words, Chloe, what what do you do? Um, well, I describe myself these days as a podcast host and author because that's what I mainly do. Uh, most of what I do is just speaking and writing. So what do I do? I host the e-commerce master plan podcast, which is um, where I interview a retailer every week. And that's been going since 2015. Uh, and I also host the Keep Optimizing podcast, which we launched last year, where I where each month we focus on a different marketing method. And each week I interview a different expert, a different angle of that. So we might do email, we might do Facebook ads, and it's all about growing an e-commerce store. And then over the last kind of 15 years or so, I've written five different books on e-commerce. Um, so, so yeah, I'm, I basically, I, I like to do things that will help e-commerce business owners make better decisions about how to grow their business. And, um, and the, the two I've drilled down to over the best part of two decades is writing books and hosting podcasts. So is it this is a bit off script because I didn't like give you this question, but I mean, so obviously you've met a lot of e-commerce retailers, right? What is, is there a typical e-commerce retailer? Is there certain traits that you notice in them? No. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I suppose I find there's there's two. There's the noisy and the quiet ones. Okay. So you get the noisy ones who who love to tell you what they're doing. They they'll uh, they'll show you what's going on behind the scenes. They probably started, you know, they might have started their own podcast. They might be really keen and eager to get on stage and talk about what they're up to. So you got those who who are you know out there talking about it and they're really noisy. And then you've got the really quiet ones who assume everything they're doing is terrible, but it isn't, and who don't like to talk about it. And those those are the two big differences so it was I, I on the noisy side of things because you interviewed I, me I would say you're more on the noisy side of things yeah <laughs> but it but it's but I, I suspect in e-commerce there's more of the quiet ones than there are of the noisy ones because I think e-commerce is an industry that seems to attract people who who like working in a barn in the outer hebrides and I think right. those tend to be quiet people because I think you've got, I mean, you know, e-commerce is obviously there's the people who like the products and there's the people who like the like the technology. And I've always been more interested in technology and I had to kind of learn about the products and I find that a bit quite hard. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm actually almost perhaps a bit too much of an introvert, not so extrovert to do e-commerce because I just, you know, I don't get out enough because of it. I don't get to talk to enough people. And that's why I do this podcast. One of the reasons I do this podcast. So tell me, how did you get started? So, uh e-commerce uh, e and retail was my escape route from banking so when I finished uni I was uh, I had a, I was part of on the graduate scheme at Barclays Bank and I applied to every marketing job going in order to leave Barclays Bank and the first people to offer me a job was the marketing team at Pastimes UK high street retailer that doesn't exist anymore um, who at the time had, I think it was 120 stores, a thriving mail order operation, and um, also a website. This was in the, in the early mid 2000s. And I was hired to look after the catalogue mailings as a di direct marketer, got very involved with the web. And after that, there was no look looking back. I was completely hooked in the world of e-commerce. From there, I became head of e-commerce for a group of mail order businesses. Then I launched a marketing agency sold that a few years ago and and now it's all about the podcast really mm -hmm. so what happened to pastimes they just did they just their, their overheads were too high presumably 
Well, that's about 20 podcasts, <laughs> that question. Um, basically, the when I was there, I did two Christmases and it went under. Um, went into administration the second Christ after the second Christmas I was there, which was at that time it was part of a larger group and and the other bits were sold and things happened and pastimes was left with the overheads of the whole group and it was kind of probably inevitable. Look, this is looking back on it. Um, then it went through various other collapses and now I think it might be a brand owned by WH Smiths, but I'm not entirely sure. But it. It basically um, lost track of what it was trying to do and got addicted to discounting. Nice. So it, it was all about historically inspired products from different ages through time. And it became kind of a more tacky gift emporium where customers only came in to buy when we gave them 20% off. So. Nice sales completely depended on which category we were taking 20% off and it also the other fundamental problem was that we were a business that was being driven by the catalog so all the prop we had two two landings of new product a year which was when the spring catalog mailed and when the christmas catalog mailed yet we had 120 stores a website and a declining house list for our catalog mm -hmm. but yet we were spending a huge amount on the catalog and the catalog ran, you know, everything was done. We were running as a catalog business, but actually we were high street, high street bricks and clicks business. Mm -hmm. So we should have had product coming in all the time. We should have been spending a lot less on catalog mailings and more on store marketing. Yeah. So um, there are, like I said, it could be an entire podcast series of, uh, of what not to do. Um, okay. But, well, it, but that's very easy to see looking back. Yes, hindsight is always twenty twenty, isn't it? Really? Yeah. I mean, the businesses that I've seen have gone bust. They basically, you know, the, the the overheads were too high because they, you know, just they they you know you 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 know you have a shop and then you basically get it on a ten year lease and you can't get rid of it. I mean, that's basically what happened to Mothercare, for example. Yeah, I mean, the rent rent is a is a for any business um, rent is a is a difficult one, and I'm sure that. That came into the nuts and bolts of it. But if you're going for the, the big picture reasons, I would say that. But there were some amazing people working there. And I learned a huge amount in my time at Pastimes. Yeah. So what so basically you do a number of different things, right? So what I mean, what do, what do you I mean, do you describe yourself as like a you know a writer, a podcaster, an e-commerce nerd? What's your, you know, what's your what's your, what's your thing? Uh, podcasting is the thing I enjoy. I enjoy and I'm quite obsessed with currently. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. It's, it's the, I get to, I've always, I've always seemed to have straddled multiple worlds. So I've always been, so uh, after I stopped working client side, I became an agency owner and an e-commerce specialist. So then you learn mm. all about the agency business model and you've got to kind of sit in these two camps. And then I was, you know, trying to build a training business that didn't work. And now I kind of sit in the world of e-commerce and dabble a bit in the world of books and do a lot in the world of, of podcasting. And I know how e-commerce works and podcasting is the thing I don't fully, fully, fully understand. And so there's do a lot you do? Because I'm interested in podcasting. I mean, one of the reasons I started the podcast was just, to, you know, it's it, it, it obviously quite easy to get going. You know, here we are I'm recording this on Zoom. Um, and 
um, you know, how is it that, that, I mean, it seems that the kind of monetization of podcasting is something which isn't particularly well developed. Um, and, you know, I listen to kind of things like, you know, Dan Stone's history hit, he records all his own adverts, which must be a real pain. Because, I mean, it, you know, I think because you know, Apple's just doing this thing where it's just beginning to like kind of develop some sort of network where people can, you know, you know, space on podcasts can be sold as like a kind of a media thing without it having to be a kind of one-to-one relationship. Do you, do you, because you've got, do you have sponsors for your podcasts? Yeah, we have sponsors for both podcasts. Yeah. And we do what you call a host read, which is where I read the ads. And yeah. the reason we do that is because it should create a greater, uh, a greater response rate. So yeah, there's, there, there's, there's this whole world of kind of dynamic ad insertion, which has actually been going on for at least five years on different platforms that Apple and others are now trying to get into and Spotify are trying to get into. And it's, it's an interesting space, um, but for me, that feels, on that big platform side of things, it feels a bit more like the Google AdSense network, mm-hmm. you know, whereas a blogger, you chuck a widget up and you maybe earn a tenner a month um, because, you know, you're, you're, you're allowing someone else to sell your ad space. So I think, I'm not sure it's going to be the big money spinner um, for people to make a living out of it. So you think, or so you think that that with you, because presumably you have a strong relationship with the people you're advertising with, and and you do a more bespoke job, and you can get more money out of it than if you, you know, as an AdSense, you get penny per click, yeah, or something. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, um, I have no intention of doing that, but I'm going to be using. I'm hoping to use the same technology to monetize the back catalogue, because it was about three years of e-commerce master plan before the sponsorship side of it really took off. So I've got about 150 unsponsored episodes that still get listened to. So if I can use dynamic ad insertion to put ads across all of those, then that gives me something else to sell my sponsors. Yeah. It's a fascinating space. Yeah, because I mean, I listen to, I mean, I find, you know, I, I don't know if do you listen to The Bugle. That's my favorite podcast. Oh, no, I haven't. I, sh- I shall write that one down. The Bugle, and have a listen. The Bugle. I can't, I don't know. It's hilarious. Andy Zaltzman, amazing. Anyway, I mean, they basically, they, they effectively, a, um, uh, they they get people to to sponsor them. And they basically, you know, you have a, a, a subscriber system and voluntary subscribers, but like Patreon, that seems to yeah. do quite well. And then you've got things like, I mean, Dan's news history here is clearly, and that's the the podcast I listen to, which is the most clearly trying to monetize it. And they have a very long advert at the beginning and a very long advert in the middle. But then I've got my Apple Watch and I just buzz through it. So I don't. It's it's um. It, that whole length of adverts thing is something I'm constantly juggling with because you know it's you want to give you want the advert to be effective for the sponsor, so for there to be enough time to sell the product and give the call to action. So as it works for them and so they come back and sponsor you again, because that's what pays for everything. But you also don't want the podcast it to turn off the audience. You know, I don't want someone to go, am I going to listen to Chloe's show or am I going to listen to, I know, William's show? Um, they're both about e-commerce. They're both interviewing an interesting retailer this week. I've only got time to listen to one on my commute. Who do I pick? Oh, he doesn't do ads. So I'll listen to his show. You know, I don't want, I want the ads to be sufficiently interesting and sufficiently unannoying that people will still listen to the show because yeah. if they don't listen to the show, I can't sell it to the sponsors anyway. So it's, it's something I, I rattle around in my head a lot is how I, how I structure the sponsorships. They give value to the sponsors and 
to the audience. Yeah, because my I mean my one bit of advice here, because I just you know I listen to quite a lot of podcasts, is that some of them like you know Downstairs History hit, he'll have the same advert for a number of weeks in a row, and he has it's very boring to listen to the same intonation, even like you know. Um, mm of the advert. I mean, even just making it just a little bit different every week. And that's something uh, that Andy Zaltzman from The Bugle used to do very well, because he used to read a funny advert every week with a bit of information. And it was just worth listening to that. I don't know, anyway, um, you're the expert. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of movement now amongst the, um, certainly amongst the serious podcast sponsors. Um, I don't know how far it's trickled down through the sponsor world yet, but into, rather than giving hosts a script to read, giving them key points and allowing them to put it into their own voice because then you should get a better response. But that's quite a thing for a brand to do is to go, yeah, do an advert for us, but you know, do whatever you want. As long as you mention this, this and this and include the call to action, we don't mind. So I think because I think that makes sense because I think it, it, it's quite boring listening to the same advert again and again. Yeah. Even if it's just you recording the same thing. I mean, it's quite, it, it, it really great. Because, you know, if you come back every week and listen to the same podcast, then, you're, oh, no, you know. Um, so I think they're right. I think, I think you know, anything which is, is can make it more interesting. So do you find that, okay, so you've got a, you know, you've got a website, a podcast, a book. I mean, which do you, how do you think that they interact? How do you, how do they interact with each other? As well, in, there's, there's the theory and then there's the complete untrackability of the reality <laughs> what do you think happens what would you what do you think happens well my hope is yeah. that uh that people find the books on amazon because we're you know the, the latest one e-commerce marketing how to get traffic the pies that one performs really well oh, so i've amazon. got a copy here as well i'd like to point out very good um it's interesting some people call it e-commerce marketing some people call it how to get traffic that buys interesting uh, but but that one works really well on Amazon and appears for a lot of good e-commerce terms is a you know a cross sell on a lot of good books so I think people find that and hopefully get as far as the podcast pitch in the back so we bring them in to listen to the podcast um, we do we also run a virtual summit which is all about email list growth which again is to drive people to the podcasts um, and and the website the website is an interesting one. I'm, I, I've always struggled to work out how many of the podcast listeners actually visit the website to interact with the content or how much the website appears in SEO or appears, you know, on social media as we talk about stuff to then drive people to the podcast. So I'm never quite sure which is the more powerful link, people listening to the podcast coming to the website or people getting to the website, learning about the podcast and then listening. It's a that one I haven't yet got my head around, but I think they probably go in both directions. Okay. So do you find? I mean, because obviously there's you know there's there's Google you know okay. So as a if you're launching a new podcast, effectively like me, right? Because I've done this is my tenth or eleventh, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, what advice would you give to someone who to 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 advertise their podcast? The first thing is um, consistency. So make sure the content's coming out same time every month, same time every week. So the audience knows what they're getting. Uh, oops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what everyone is. The most annoying advice ever when you're creating a podcast, but that's what everyone recommends. Okay. Very sensible. Uh, second thing is make sure it's, it's um, distributed everywhere. So that RSS feed is in all the right places. So it's feeding into Apple. It's feeding, yeah. you know, correctly okay, onto Google, that kind that. of thing. Excellent. Um, and then 
then it's about trying finding the way that works for getting your podcast out there in front of people now I say trying to find and I can't give you a recipe for this because it's really hard to track because um, a podcast is something you listen to usually on an, on an, on an iPhone or an yeah. Android phone and because of the the apps people are listening via you can't take a cookie you know if you run a facebook ad for your for your um podcast you can't track that through to a play mm. you can track it to your website to then see if someone clicks on something or signs up to your emails but you can't track it through to a play and there's people who are trying to fix this but it's really hard to do you know if i if i look at um at my stats on my website 80 percent plus of my website visitors are visiting my site on desktop 80% plus of my email recipients are interacting on desktop because my audience are sat at work mm. when they're consuming my, my, most of my stuff, visiting my website, reading the email. They're at work. They're on the computer. They're doing it via their work email, probably. Um, you know, that's what they're doing. When they're listening to my podcast, they're on their mobile. So not only have you got the fact it's really hard to track someone listening to a podcast and what led them to listen, it's also, in the case of my business, people are listening on their commute or when they're walking the dog, probably on their personal phone, probably on their personal Apple account or their personal Google account in terms of how they're actually doing the listening, how they're receiving the rest of my stuff is on their work computer with their work email address. So you get this huge disconnect. So it's incredibly hard to track how the two work. Things which I'm 99% work well is announcing your show as it goes live on social media or on whatever platform you get the most engagement on. Mm -hmm. And the other one is a going on other people's podcasts. Right, well, okay. Because then you're, you're putting the fact you've got a podcast in front of people who are interested in podcasts about the subject you're creating a podcast about. Okay. That's very good. That's, that's very good advice, I think. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what about books? I mean, do you think people still read books? From what I can tell, yes. Um, this one is still shifting units and it's been out for over two years now. Uh, or 18 months now, I think we've been, we've been published with this one. And it's still shifting units week in, week out, both here and in the States. Um, You've and I and on when you look on the Kindle stats, you can see people are actually reading it. It's not just the I'll put it on the bookcase and wait mm -hmm. for it later. I also um, occasionally run a big event uh, where I partner up with say 10, 15 other authors of marketing and business books, and we all reduce our book to 99 pence on Kindle, and we do a big two-day event driving people to a landing page to buy ideally all the books. We get huge engagement with that. So I think um, there's certainly still a lot of purchasing of books. And from what I can see, I think there's a lot of reading of books too. So they're still, they're still very viable, um, of still a good way of learning. Because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm writing a book. Need to think about I'll, ah. I'll, I'll talk about that later. Um, <laughs> okay, um, great. Okay, last question. What has inspired you recently? Can I give you two answers for this? You can, as many answers as you like. Okay. So the you can first... be multiply inspired. You can be so more in... inspired by other people. In the podcasting world, I'm very inspired by Podcast Movement, which is the biggest podcasting conference. It happens each year. It happened in uh, 
Dallas, I think. No, Dallas is next. It happened somewhere in the States. I didn't go to the States for fairly obvious reasons. Um, I, I watched it from here, but there were some amazing sessions and it's got me really fired up about podcasting. So that's got me really inspired at the moment. But in the e-commerce space, the things which get me inspired are talking to other people. You know, um, it's, it's about, my guests are always inspiring me. Um, fascinating, you know, talking to the guests, but also taking the time to go to events and pay attention to events. I think I've fallen into, into a habit over the last 18 months, I suspect a lot of other people have, of signing up to events and thinking that that counts. You know? <laughs> um, oh, I've signed up, so it's all fine. It's like, no, if you, if you think back to when we, were able, when we were doing the real world stuff, it wasn't just just signing up it was the going along getting the time out of the office committing to it and I think that's something I'm trying to do more of as we go into the autumn this you year know, I've, if, I've if always I've like always this. enjoyed these things more than I expect to and normally yeah. I I you know actually I've stopped in I don't know if you've been to Channel Advisors event which I have to say I think is reasonably awful and overpriced but um I what I did enjoy, I think the last channel advisor I went to, I went to, I, I didn't bother going to any of the talks. I just talked to people in the, in the, mm-hmm. you know, just chatted to people what, about what they were doing. And I found that much more valuable because a lot of the time these, these events, they try and they go, Oh, we got this amazing big company that what, what's Walmart doing? What's, you know, yeah. what's sports direct doing or something like that. And even if you're just a, you know, if you're like a retailer like me, if you're a small retailer, I can't do what sports direct do can't even try so to a certain extent it's not interesting but if I meet other people like me and find out what they're doing then that is really valuable so yeah you're right you're you're but it is you know these days I'm I'm, because I don't leave the office so much and because you know we used to all go for for meetings all the time but never do business without having a meeting with someone but now you almost never do business with people you've met and consequently I just think oh you know you realize how time consuming these things are and having a meeting takes half a day yeah, and I become more precious about my time, and so I start thinking, "Oh, can I really? Oh, I can't really. I haven't got the time to go to these things." But then I always really enjoy them. So, yeah, I think it, it's it's been really easy to get into the mindset of, "Well, I'm just not going to go to anything anymore because it's great to have so much time in the office." But you know, I'm going to try and make sure I'm heading out to at least at least one a quarter, probably two a quarter of know, the big events, some- just to. Just because you, it, there's this, this term, uh, which I don't think I invented, I think I picked it up from someone else, which is osmosis learning, which they often talk about in the workplace with, you know, junior employees are missing out because they don't get the osmosis learning of hearing a couple of people who are senior having a conversation. But it also goes for events. It's the, the stuff you pick up, you know, you're walking past, you're not planning on going to a session, you walk past and it sounds really interesting or you you know, if you're me, you, you desperately want to sit down. So you sneak into the back of a room to sit down to check who you're supposed to be talking to next and, and get hooked by a session. And I think that kind of that osmosis of the conversations are really important. So, yeah, it's um, it's important to do them. So there's wisdom. I'm getting wisdom here more than <laughs> wisdom and inspiration. Chloe, it's been great talking to you. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. We'll speak again soon, I hope. Thanks, Trevor. It's been been my pleasure too. Lovely chatting with you. Bye.